Welcome to Parenthood Bites, the podcast where we explore life as a parent in tech. I'm your host, Chow, and I have over 15 years of experience in tech, and I'm also currently working as a career coach. I'm the proud mother of three incredible boys. In each episode, we have an inspiring guest who will share their remarkable story. You'll find their wisdom and insights both relatable and enriching, because after all, we're all in this parenting journey together. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode eight of Parenthood Bites. We're here today with Ingrid Yen, who is a technical project manager at GitHub and currently located in the SF Bay Area. Welcome, Ingrid. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really happy to talk to you today and and hear your story. So this is going to be released in December, but we're recording this in October, right before Halloween. So do you have any plans for Halloween? What are your kids or kid going to be? Yeah, so yeah, my 12-year-old is going to be some anime character from Genshin Impact. All I know is I had to really look hard to find the outfit that she wanted, but I, I can't, no, I can't remember. <laughs> but she's some character from a video game at this point. My little one, who is six, will be a devil. She's choosing from all the hand-me-downs. Um, she's got Anna and a bunch of other things, but she's choosing the uh, the devil outfit. <laughs> and so I'll probably have some fun with dyeing, you know, coloring her hair for tomorrow night. Yeah, so we're excited. I don't know. I have a couple of outfits to choose from. We'll see how I feel tomorrow. <laughs> That's awesome. <gasps> yeah. I was chuckling when you said anime because my... My second kid, he's 11. They've been watching Demon Slayer. He's like, I yep. want to be a character from there. So I went and ordered him a hoodie because I was like, well, he can wear it as a hoodie after Halloween. <laughs> you know, wear it as a costume on Halloween and after Halloween, right. it'll just be a hoodie. Yeah. And then my oldest, he wants to be a wizard because they had a Harry Potter phase a while back. Oh. So they have all the ones. So he's like, great, I'm going to be a wizard. I have a one. I was like, do you have a hat? Do you have anything else? He's like, no, I, I have a lot of black clothes. He's like, I'll just find one of your black clothes and wear it as a cloak. Wow. <laughs> I like, okay, I guess. How nice. Your kids are really good. I don't I don't know. Mine's I, like, mom, I found this online and it's $69 because it's some specialty outfit. I'm like... Uh, just so that you could wear it once. And plus she grows like a weed. So, you know, last year she was another character. I think it was from Demon Slayer. She can't fit it anymore. So it's just sitting in her closet. It's going to take another five years for the younger one to fit it. Not that she's going to want it because they're not interested in the same things. But Right, right. <laughs> yeah. My youngest, I said, we have all these superhero costumes. Pick one. Mm -hmm. He yeah. said, no. He said, I'm going to be ketchup. Yeah. And I said, well, ketchup. And, and you know the costumes I see that are ketchup is like a bottle ketchup. No, no, he wants to be a packet of ketchup. So, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to go to Daiso and try to conjure up a little ketchup packet for him. Oh, <laughs> because you can't you can't find ketchup packet. Yeah, you know, on Amazon. Yeah, they I don't, don't think I've don't seen it. That. So. Yeah, I'm really curious where he found the inspiration to say that he that's what he wanted to be. Yeah, I have no idea. He was just like ketchup. I said, you know, do you want to do anything else? There's all these other. No, he said, I'm going to be ketchup. And he was very dead set on ketchup. Whenever anyone asked him, he said, I'm going to be ketchup. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I better get to working on this ketchup costume. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we are. Ketchup. Just going to go nice. trick or treat around the neighborhood. The houses are really the close houses? together. Mm -hmm. So it'll be good for Easy. them. To, yeah. yeah. They won't get tired that quickly. <laughs> right. That's great. Yeah. Well, we just moved to this neighborhood. So, um, but I hear down the street will be a really busy um, trick or treating street. So, oh. yeah, it's a. Uh, That'll be fun. We'll see. It'll be an exploration this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to start with just asking, you know, what brought you to tech and how many years have you been in tech? Yeah, so it was a bit of an accident, to be honest. Um, when I went off to college, I went to a business school in Boston. This is in the early 90s. 
So that gives you um, an idea of a time frame. So I started off actually doing marketing for an internet service provider. You remember back in the day, the dial-ups. So I was doing tech trade shows and marketing communications in, in the tech arena. It was really boring. And I eventually, after a couple of years, I ended up going to Charles Schwab because one of my friends worked there. And so I got my series seven and 63 license and became a trader. And um, I think it's the best thing that I did to really bring a strong finance money management kind of foundation to me. But besides that, um, you know, Charles Schwab at that time uh, was considered itself as a a tech-focused company and a financial services industry. And over the course of five, six years, I took on, uh, I eventually took on many high-profile roles uh, leading the deployment of, you know, a bunch of strategic programs around CRM solutions, customer 360 views. The long answer is, then, and then I went back to get my, my degree in 2006 at USF, my computer science degree. And then from there, I, I've been in tech since so I think well in technology departments in different industries for at least 10-15 years technically um, my first tech company was back probably five six years ago but um, you know my background is in you know technical program management engineering manager agile coach pmo portfolio management etc wow that's really interesting so what kind of prompted you to go back to get your computer science degree after you know being a trader and in the finance sector so i think the transition from being sort of you know on the implementation side and the requirements side of crm systems um, I wanted to take on a more, you know, so I, I think at that time, one of the, the senior directors in the, um, in the IT department was talking about bringing me over. I can't remember specifically what happened, but I, I took on an engineering management role and I started to, I went into do, doing some Siebel professional services training on the technical side. And then I just eventually decided I'm just going to go back and get my degree. And that way I could, it, you know, mobility was going to become easier for me. And the tech industry was blowing up and I thought that was going to be helpful. So, yeah. That's really, so how many years were you working in tech when you became a parent? So I got pregnant late. I was 38. So technically I had been working for more than 10 years already. And that would be probably seven, eight years in a, in a technology space. It took me another five years to finally have my second kid, but that's a, that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> so you're already pretty well established at work already. Yeah, very driven, very dedicated. I didn't even want kids, actually. My first one was, again, an accident, which a great accident that changed my life forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you think back to when you had your first kid, and I'm curious also about your second kid, what was the parental leave like at that time? Yeah, so back... Where I was working, they did not offer any incremental sort of pay beyond the FMLA, mm -hmm. which had a max, you know, um, of a, a much lesser amount. Um, I did, you know, I think it was four months, right? Uh, eight weeks or 12 weeks. So I did have the FMLA, which I had learned that that had only been implemented in recent history where, yeah. you know, we had that. So I learned a lot about that when I had my first kid. So I, I took the four months. It was hard because I had issues breastfeeding and I very much wanted to breastfeed and be very attached to my kid. Four months, you know, was really not a lot of time. And I really didn't want to send my kid to daycare, you know, at the age of four months. So it would have been nice if it was a little longer, <laughs> for sure. And I think at that time in 2011, my husband didn't even take it. He also worked in tech. He actually worked for, I think it was Salesforce at the time. I can't remember. But um, 
yeah, I was Salesforce, but because of the the hecticness of of his job and his role, he actually didn't even take his. And I think a lot of men at that time didn't take their FMLA versus I think it's changed a lot in the last five years. There's a lot more men going out on paternity, but I don't think it was like that back in 2011. I hear you. I mean, I also took FMLA with my first son. Actually, my first two. I took FMLA and then I used up my sick days. I used up Mm, my vacation days, right? And used all of that, but I still didn't get that much time. And so it was, it was exactly to that point of, do I put them in daycare at this tiny, tiny age? But, you know, my, my parents, you know, they're, they're around, they could come see him. My in-laws come see him, but I couldn't have them take care of this baby all day. You know, they've already done their, their childcare when we were little and I just couldn't, couldn't do that. So, you know, we, we ended up getting a, a nanny that we, you know, we interviewed several nannies and we had one come over just until he was old enough to where we felt comfortable to send him to daycare. What, what did you, you do for childcare during that time? Yeah. Oh my God. You just reminded me. So the number of nannies I had to go through. So yeah, <laughs> and I think being from Taiwan, um, and I know you came when you were much younger, but yes. you know the thirty-day confinement yes. uh, tradition that we do. Like it was very important for my mom that I would go through that and have assistance because I was an older mom. Um, so I hired, you know, some of the the Chinese nannies. I went through probably like seven, eight of them. Some were legit, some were really not. Some, you know, it's probably because of my own lack of experience or, you know, my paranoid, whatever. In any case, it was a very hectic time between at the four month mark when I went back. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so I I had a live-in nanny that was with me Monday through Friday. Uh, I had a camera at home. Like, and um, trying to pump, you know, and then trying to make sure because we had a latch issue to begin with. So trying to deal with now putting her on a bottle, which she won't take the bottle. There were some crises around that time with the bottle and then keeping the milk supply and pumping in the mom's room. I know that's one of the questions, but like the dark room and trying to use a 20, you know, 2011 headset with noise canceling that don't cancel (laughs) noise on a conference call yeah that that was it was it was fun it was it was a lot of gosh you're bringing back all the memories for me too (laughs) and I I remember the confinement you know my mom was very very insistent on that she read all these books and she wrote down this whole menu this whole thing I had to do don't go downstairs she didn't want me to walk downstairs because where, where did you do that too? Whereas like the organs yeah, kind of droop if, if you walk downstairs. Yeah. And that's not good. Yeah. So I had to just stay in my room. It was in the summer. It was very hot. Actually, I went to my parents' house. I stayed upstairs in their <laughs> house and it was very, very hot in the summer, but you know, you couldn't shower. You couldn't wash your hair. You could just wipe down with a, a towel. Right. And my mom, I think she lost right. like 10, 15 pounds during that time, just taking care of me. And I was like, I can't have you take care of my baby long-term. How you're going to disappear, you know, cause it was just so tiring for her. She did, you know, <laughs> oh. everything just, yeah, even the water, right? Like you couldn't drink regular water. You had to dehydrate mm-hmm. the rice, rice wine. Right. So it, Oh, I didn't do that, but you couldn't, I couldn't drink um, anything cold. Right. Nothing cold. Right. You had everything. It was hot. Everything was warm. Yeah. Yep. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. And with every kid, she's like, you got to do it because if you mess up this time, you're screwed. Like that's it. You're going to have yeah. a tough life when you're old. Which by the way, I am all for it. I really truly feel the difference. Yeah. You know, when they say these are, it's like your, your rebirth, your own rebirth. And I think having had um, good, mm-hmm. um, my body was healthier. I, you know, after, after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I believe in it now. <laughs> there was one night where I was, you know, my baby was crying. I was patting him and then my, my joints were hurting and my mom immediately got me some herbs and she had me soak my hands. And the next day I was better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, I, yeah. at first I was like, this is a lot of work, but then yeah. like, I'll make her happy. I'll do it. And I think to your point, it really does 
help us be stronger. Yeah, these ancient Chinese secrets. <laughs> There's something about them. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. So with your second kid, was it, did you also use FMLA? Was it any better, the parental leave? Yeah. So with the second kid, I think this is somewhat related. So like I said, I had originally thought I didn't want kids. And when I had my first, I was just, you know, understood the depth of love a person could feel and, you know, just wanted to have another kid. I waited about two years because of the breastfeeding and all that stuff. And then I proceeded to try for the second. I went through seven rounds of IUI during that time. And I was working full time and trying to get pregnant. So at about six, seven months, you know, I didn't do IVF. I think it's because it, I didn't have great coverage from the company mm -hmm. to get IVF. Yeah. At that time, you know, the coverage weren't as good as nowadays. And so what happened was over the course of six months, you know, all that stuff screws with your hormones and your, you know, yeah. um, in the stress, I gained a lot of weight. I finally, what was interesting is, so I had been in the company for about nine years at that time. And when I gave up, I said, okay, that was February, March. <clears throat> I said, I'm going to get rid of all my older daughter's stuff because she was already five years old. I'm like, I don't need the baby stuff anymore. Yeah. So I got rid of like six bins of things that I was no longer saving. And on March, I think 22nd, 23rd, I gave my notice. I said, I don't need to make so much money. I need a little bit of a break. So I resigned and decided, okay, I'm going to take time off. And then guess what? April 11th, I had sex one time and I got pregnant. Wow. What a blessing to get pregnant. But then you had already had that mindset yeah. of like, and you yeah. dealt with it. And that must be a huge emotional roller coaster to go through that for so long and then finally come to terms of, okay, this is yeah. how it is. And, and you know, it's, it's like a proof that, you know, stress really makes a difference, right? I, so it was interesting. I got pregnant. So, you know, at that time I was home. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> but it's fine. So I decided I'm going to enjoy it. So I had a, you know, I was 44 at the time when I gave birth. So I'm going to be 43, 44. So I enjoyed my pregnancy and gave birth. And I decided to stay and take care of my second one myself and really enjoy it this time around. So I went back to work when she was about 18 months after, like, I think she self weaned at 14 months, which my older daughter, I had to wean her, you know, it was it was very hard with the second one it was really easy. And, and she was very social. And so we actually put her in a really good home-based daycare at 18 months, which she needed the socialization. She was so outgoing. So then I went back to work. Also, it was really scary to go back to work after being gone for a couple years, you know, trying to look for a job again. And luckily, I was able to get a TPM job um, after some time and connecting with my network and stuff like that. So and, and it's that stress of like, okay, there's that break on my resume. How do I explain that? But it's yeah. so great that that worked out for you that you were able to, to, to have that stress free time to take care of your your younger one. And, you know, we think about that, we're like, oh, gosh, when you're pregnant, and you're under a lot of stress, that's even more of a toll on your body, more of a toll on you emotionally, Oh yeah, and you are able to, to get through that very healthy and, and, and very smooth. Yeah. So those are the things, you know, you look back and, you know, it's like, yeah, those are things money can't buy. And, you know, I'm so glad yeah. that I had that. Yeah, that's huge. And so, you, you know, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, how it was like going back to work after that. How did, how did you transition back to work? I think the second time around, it was easier because I had already known what to expect, you know, with the first one, I had to live in nanny until she was about two and a half, three years old. I transitioned into having an au pair as well. Like, I think I lacked the confidence to take care of her. And I was, I was taking care of my children or, you know, my kid from reading a lot of books. And the fear of, you know, like I said, we, we initially struggled with breastfeeding and milk supply. So just, I think that just triggered this, you know, constant paranoia, you know, am I doing it right? Is she, is she thriving? 
which she is and she was, but like I was making my own. So, so with the help of a nanny and au pairs, I was doing homemade baby food, homemade this. Mm. I learned to, to a lot of different recipes and I try to do everything the best that I could. I think with second time around, that definitely was no longer <laughs> the thing. And, um, you know, but, but in a way I kind of feel like my second one was, was luckier that she got a more relaxed mom, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and we were able to laugh and enjoy a lot more rather than like, I think I was weighing my first baby, like before the feed and after the feed and, you know, <laughs> weighing yeah. her. I had a scale at my house and, and all the record keeping of her weight, her growth. Yeah. When they, <laughs> when they poop, when they yes, pee yes. their weight and all that, right? Is the color correct? You know, and yeah. yeah, why is, why are they not napping enough? You know, why aren't, why isn't she napping the hour and 20 minutes, the full cycles that she's supposed to, you know, why does she keep waking up 30 minutes after? Uh, anyway, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, because that's the thing as first time parents, right? We're afraid we're going to mess up on yeah. this kid when it's like kids are so resilient. Yeah. As long as we do our best, that's good enough. But we, we have that that mentality of like, oh my gosh, what if I mess up my baby? I remember when my baby fell off the bed the first time. Oh I was my like, God. oh my God, we're the worst parents. My kid is just not going to be able to, <laughs> you know talk or whatever because he fell off the bed. And we called the doctor and the doctor's like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. They always fall off the bed, right? And then by the second, the third kid, Oops. it's like, oh, he's fine. He'll, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Cry it yeah. off. He's fine. <laughs> but, but that first one, you're just so worried you're going to mess up yeah. and ruin this little yeah. life, right? <laughs> so right now with your younger one being six, what do you do for childcare? Like after she gets off school and your older one too? Yeah, so um, she has an after school program that goes from approximately two to three. And I'm really lucky with the job that I have right now where I can pick her up at three and she has activities after school. So my my second one is really outgoing and really into sports. My first one was not. So she didn't have as many activities. So when my first one was in elementary school stage, she went to the same after school program every every day, Monday through Friday. And, you know, we would pick her up at 530, like most of the other working parents. Currently with the younger one, and because of our remote uh, work situation, I'm able to take time in the middle of the day to pick her up. And then between myself and my husband, you know, she will go swimming and other practices and I could bring my laptop and continue to work. So we can juggle and let her have more enrichments than the first one, I think. She can still have the activities that she wants to do. Yeah, yeah. And that was, you know, part of the guilt from the first kid and and us not having this remote work culture, right, in the tech industry. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that option. So it was always the guilt of, oh, well, here is the mom that stays home who picks their kids up and they go do dance and Legos and whatever Kung Fu or piano. And mine is just going to this after school daycare that costs a a crap load, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then I can't pick them up until I get home from work. And I don't know what they do there, but they help him with his homework and they take care of him and that's it. And my kid hated it. We didn't have any other options, Mm -hmm. right? That was just it. So, and it was like, if you showed up late to pick them up, they charge you extra. So you had to (laughs) get there on time. Yeah. It was less of like, what would give them more activities? It was when we were picking programs, it was more of what would keep them the longest because we could only pick them up at six or six thirty or whatever time yeah, that I is. get it. I totally get it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, you worked for a while before you had kids. So, you know, how how did your work life change once you had kids? So I think one of the things that so having worked in different industries, I will say, you know, I've worked in retail, financial services, insurance, healthcare, you know, companies. Working in tech, I think the biggest difference to me is the speed in which you have to continue to learn new things. This constant need to be sharp and and to then 
be able to progress. I think one of the biggest difference after children for me is, you know, my ambition had changed. And, you know, I had gone from a people manager to to now an individual contributor, and I've been okay with that. So I'm still, you know, a staff TPM um, after all these years. And I think that's a con- that is a conscious choice that I made. I want to devote more of myself to the children. That means I have to be okay with, you know, where my career was was at. And I think over, you know, different stages over several years, I have gone back and forth and wondered, who am I? What am I? Am I, you know, and, and you know, I want more for myself or what defines me and am I a good enough mom? So I think those are questions we we always go back and forth on. But yeah, I think your, you know, your question was, you know, what what was the change? It's 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 having to make these decisions all the time and having to ask yourself those questions all the time was the change. Cause before that, you know, I was really into work. I was really into my career and I, you know, that was what kind of defined me. It's sad to say, but it was sort of how I defined myself was through my career and my achievements or, you know, recognition from what I've accomplished at work. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Cause it was just the one thing we had to focus on. Right career. Mm -hmm. Okay, just keep going. And then now it's like we have all these other priorities and we have to really see is the career the the thing that we should be focusing on and and why, right? Like, okay, I get more money, but then does it really matter to get that much more money or to spend that much more time with the kids, right? We have to make those those trade-offs. Before it was just very straightforward. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it was like, of course, more money. Of course, yeah. get that promotion. More money, you know, more high-profile projects, or you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I think now, when I think of work, I think, am I going to work with good people? It matters less what I do. It matters more whether I'm going to be surrounded by good people because that contributes more to who I am as a person for everybody else in the rest of my world. So it's, um, I'm happy to work on things that aren't high profile anymore. (laughs) If I can get good people to work with. (laughs) Right, right. That matters more. And and it helps your emotional Mm -hmm. state and and all of that. Right. So what has been your biggest struggle or challenge being a parent in tech? I think there are two two things. Working in tech, you know, and with the technology, technological advances, we've experienced a lot of different changes in the ways of working, right? We used to, you know, use emails and specific tools for project planning, execution, you know, and then things were more waterfallish, slower. And then the pace gets faster, ways of workings are more instantaneous. Like we have Slack, we have chat, we have, it's this always on mentality, you know, continuous delivery, you know, and being in the industry that we are in, I am personally, and and I'm getting older as well, right? I'll have to admit that too. Having to just keep up the momentum to respond, 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 and you become in this reactive mode. Now, Linking that to parenting and concerns about parents, right? Again, it's back to technology. The design of our systems and tools and and the ways we use them are keeping us more and more addicted to our devices. So I myself as a parent am struggling to not feel like I'm just a node and that I'm just, I'm somehow like attached to this central thing and, you know, having to keep, keep feeding in and out or, you know, and then, and then trying to stay engaged as a, as a person <laughs> to my kid who's mm-hmm. asking for my attention or a whiny kid that I have to bend down and empathize and hug and give her a piece of my heart. I'm trying to go back to your question. I, you know, those little moments are, are what I struggle with. So some of the things I'm trying to put in place is like, I'm starting to very recently time boxing things, not being on all the time. And feeling okay to let a DM and a Slack message wait for a while. It is okay. And putting down the phone, charging it in a different room so it's not attached to me between 5 to 8 o'clock. 
um, so that I could get my older kid involved in creating our dinner, you know, the dinner prep, the dinner table setup, you know, doing that as a family, it's hard. You know, part of it is you, you got to be able to slow down and let your kids get involved, get them motivated, let them make mistakes and not just do everything for them. That's even harder than just doing everything for them, I think, you know, but you got to get them involved um, so that they can grow, you know. I think that's a really good point because a lot of times it's easier to just say, hey, I'm just going to go prep dinner real quick and then come back to do this meeting or write this email. But being intentional about having them learn those things and feeling involved. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tell my boys, I'm like, okay, today you're going to learn to make rice or what is your favorite meal? We're going to figure out how to make it because I realized that if I just go and do it, they're just never going to learn and they're going to soon go to college mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and, and just order DoorDash yeah. or, or go to fast food, you know, cause like you said, it's all in our fingertips right now. It's so easy to just order whatever they want, you know, and throw mm-hmm. money at it, but I want them to actually have those yeah, life skills. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I, this picture came to mind, right? At some point in time, it was rushing to pick the kids up, bring them home. When they're home, they turn on their screens. And I'm sitting there going, oh, they're on the screens. 20 minutes of my free time, I'm going to go prepare dinner. And then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. the food is ready. They're like zombies. You know, they come over and it's like they eat dinner or whatever, or they don't even want to eat dinner, but getting them off the screen is a problem. And then like, and then they they come and eat. It's like, what what's happening? You know, we're not, this is not the family life right? That I want. It felt to me like I was overwhelmed all the time. And so putting them on a screen was a solution because then I didn't have to deal with the things that that were coming at me. Yeah, I had to look at all that and, and say, you know, that kind of ways of living had to change. And so we got to switch it around. I need to be engaged and they need to get involved as well. And we need to do it as a family. And we're going to have crappy dinners sometimes. But that's been so good for us, the, the, the dinner making process together as a family. It's awesome. What's the favorite thing they like to make? Or what, what is your favorite thing to make with them? Yeah, so um, my older one, God, she knows how to make a lot of different things. I mean, she started frying eggs when she was three. So she's wow. she can bake all sorts. She can make a really, really good Basque cheesecake. But that's another side thing. She does that all, all by herself. But for dinner, you know, making things like pasta dishes is definitely something that they can handle with the 12-year-old. And my six-year-old can help do a lot of washing vegetables and cutting some softer vegetables. So she does a lot of the cutting. She doesn't do any of the stir fry stuff and which being Chinese, I do a lot of stir fries. So like rice cake, niangao or noodles, pasta, you know, mac and cheese is definitely a favorite. Costco is a big help, like heating up, you know, little individual pizzas sometimes. But um, they also know how to make salad from start to finish on their own. So that's really good. We do mostly stir fries, though. So the older one does know she she knows how to make a bok choy and do it right. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's really, really yeah. good skills for them yeah. to have. And and also a really good experience for them to be doing that with you. Yeah. I think the the way that I kind of approached it has been like, oh, I need help. You know, I need help. And so they all come and to the rescue and it's like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And then, you know, can you be my taste tester? Like, that's how I started. Yeah. And then it's like, no, no, no. And then as they watch me, they, they start to think that they can do it better. Like, okay, well, you try it. Well, I got to do this other thing. Okay, go ahead. You know, so yeah, it's been fun getting her. Uh... I love that. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's just about like, okay, let me just leave them to do this one thing. Yeah. And then, you know, if I'm just watching them, then I'm like, wait, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, no. Let me just let them figure yeah. it out, right? And then they end up figuring it out anyway. Yeah. And so, you know, you talked about your biggest struggle challenge with, with kids. And I'm curious, at their current age of um, 12 and 6, what are the biggest struggles or challenges that you see right now? Um, I'll start with the 12-year-old 
because I think that's a more depressing one, but also a more serious one. She's now in sixth grade in middle school, and we're starting to sort of talk about the need for a cell phone because a lot of the kids in her school do have one with limited access. But, you know, the need for her to have more freedom and to be able to say, hey, mom, I'm here, you know, come pick me up or whatever. It's it's real. And so and I want to be able to enable that. But at the same time, you know, it's a slippery slope. Like when you get to the details of, you know, what's on their phone and how they're using their phones. And, you know, and, and the fact that once you have a smartphone, then what does that mean when they start to need different apps that, you know, like, so she, for example, you know, she wants, she has an iPad and she uses Discord. Discord is something Mm -hmm. she uses to connect with her friends. But over the years now, Discord is also a gaming platform. (laughs) And it's not just for messaging or chatting. And the content in these apps are, are not monitored. And so... She doesn't, while she doesn't have Facebook or, or, or Instagram or Snapchat, which is what everybody knows, like social media is a very uh, harmful place for teenagers these days. The other apps that are there, you know, do the same thing in terms of uh, getting them to be uninterested in other activities in their lives, wanting to go back online to check what's going on because of all the notifications and the noise. You know, there's also like various servers and whether it's everything from K- K-pop to Genshin Impact or, or whatever, it's all on there. But anyway, so so right now that what we're what we are going through is a stage where we're trying to come up with the decision on whether I should buy her a phone or not, or give her one, give her a phone or not. And if, and I think we will, we're going to have to, then what guardrails are we going to put in place to, I don't even want to say protect, because you can't really protect them. I don't know what the word is, but to, to try to do the best that we can to enable her to have a healthier journey with <laughs> with a smartphone. It's a very, very complicated problem, and we could probably talk for two, three hours on this. But so far in all the research that I have done with lots of studies and articles about the negative impact, also watching various documentaries like The Social Dilemma or um, Childhood 2.0, those are all really big, good ones. And um, another one, um, Screenagers, is a three-movie docu-series where um, a physician mother kind of shows the impact of smartphones and technologies and social media usage and what the impacts are at different ages between like your your tweens and then going into high school, you know, into high school. But anyway, so I've kind of like, after getting my 12-year-old involved, so she's watched all of this with me, by the way. So over the course of the last three, four months, I said, you know, we're having this back and forth conversation, back and forth conversation. I said, I want you to go down on a journey with me. So I said, I I know, you know, uh, I said, what I want us to do, I said, so what we have a Google Doc. And I said, I'm going to choose 10 things. And you and I are going to both consume it, whether it's reading the article or watching the movie. And then you and you and I are going to write up a, you know, something like your takeaway and my takeaway. And we're going to talk about it. So we've been doing this, um, I think, on three, three, the the movies that I was talking to, uh, The Social Dilemma, The Childhood 2.0. And then the other one is a, um, I don't remember, it was it was a medical study kind of Screenagers? Yeah, the Screenagers is one that actually it's Childhood 2.0 and Social Dilemma. I had her watch, but um, there is um, another one I can't remember, but she's learning a lot. Oh, and screen, you're right, Screenagers. She watched the Screenagers with me. So we are now coming down with three guiding principles that are important to me that I, I want us to come up with rules around this. One is sleeping enough and sleeping well enough. So this has to do with just the mere sheer numbers of hours on a screen and what times of day you're using these screens and setting guardrails on where it needs to sit when it's time to charge and turn off and not letting that go into your bedroom. 
a big problem, especially with gamers, is not getting enough sleep. Second, obviously, it's the mental health component. How do you stay connected without being addicted? Right? A lot of the documentaries was really around, formed around educating us parents about the, the, the design premises of the technology, right? If you don't pay for the product, you are the product. So how do we get you addicted to using social media so that the corporations are, are the customers, right? They're the ones that are gaining from all of it. And so that's, that's the piece of it. How do we stay connected without being addicted? That's going to come with solutions and rules around usage times for specific types of apps. Um, and then the last piece is, you know, trust and safety. Safety is a big one. I won't go into it right now, but I'm really, really concerned about our society today and the bad actors and, and what we can potentially be putting our children at risk of. So with that, I think, you know, we need to look at other things like Bark or specific apps that are going to help track and filter harmful content and trust between us because you will not even us parents that work in tech guess what our children are going to outsmart us <laughs> and they, it's crazy what are some rules you need to to build or what are the conversations that you and your kid need to have to emphasize the need for trust because i can tell you my daughter has already hacked into the parental controls three times to increase her screen time for, for one of the games that she was playing, the Genshin Impact. And that hurts our trust. So how do you handle that, you know, when, when stuff like that happens? Because it's not her, you know? So one of the things is I learned from these documentaries, you know, you, you have to understand it's not their fault. It's the tech company's fault because they're designing apps that trigger the deepest part of our human psyche. So nobody can resist that. We can't resist that. So what makes you think that they can resist that? And so I think if you see step back and see it from that perspective, then um, anyway, so those are the kind of things I'm trying to remind myself on, on and how to deal with this. Uh, the 12 year old, it's hard with a six year old, things are a lot more simple, but she's going through this rebellion stage and the need for independence. And anyway, I guess I'm, I'm just kind of switching to the, make sure I, I give enough time and airtime for my important six-year-old. Yeah, the struggles with her is just maintaining my composure because she and I are so similar. We butt heads. She is a mini me. My older one is a mini, <laughs> my husband, and my little one is a mirror image of me and reminds me of a lot of my <laughs> um, shortfalls. And um, so, yeah, my struggle with her is, you know, power. I think it's the power struggles <laughs> right now. Yeah. And so with her, you can kind of see like, oh, this is what my parents dealt with. And how did they deal with me and kind of think about, yeah. about those things? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think with, with the older one, it's more of a... a external things that you're trying to, like you said, trying to protect the best we can. We, we can't really shelter them completely right. either, no matter what we do, we just, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and phones, there's all the things that come with it, but it's also becoming a need because what mm -hmm. if, you know, we need to pick them up and we can't reach them or they go to a friend's house and we need to be able to reach them. It's, it's all of those things too. So how do you find that middle ground? And exactly. I think you named yeah. some really good resources that I definitely have been jotting down, <laughs> you know, because we try, we try to, you know, have these open conversations with our kids and, you know, whenever I walk the dog, I try to have them go with me sometimes one at a time. So I have that one-on-one -on -one time with them to kind of have those conversations. But even then I can't completely know what's going on. I can't completely protect them from all the things out there. And sometimes you tell them, they're just like, ah, oh, that won't happen to me. It's fine. Right. Or whatever. Or mom, you don't. Yeah. 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 You don't understand. Yeah. I think, you know, this age, I mean, you have a 13 and 11 year old. I mean, I don't know about you, but this whole notion that we don't know what the heck we're talking about anymore and that we're just old and obsolete. I, I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. really, yeah. Like, like no, I, I, I'm still with it. I still get it. I still know what I'm, what, you know, I was like, yeah, mom. Yeah. Just, 
I got this. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we were once in middle school. Yeah. No, like, sure. The, the environment is different. Technology is different, but at the core, we know yeah. what they're, you know? And, and so, and it's like when we were young, right? When I was young, a lot of time my mom would tell me a thing and I'm just like, mom, you don't know. You don't understand. And then yeah. years later, I'm like, oh, she did know. She did understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she knew what she was talking about. And I was always like, why is she jinxing me? Why is she saying that things going to happen? It's not, but yeah. it totally did happen because she yeah. knew she had the experience. Yeah. And so we try to share with them so they don't fall into some of those 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 pitfalls that that we experienced and yeah it's a lot of communication yeah. right a lot of trying to to trust them but at the same time how much yeah can we trust how much can we protect them and it's it's really a daily compromise so. yeah well and and i would say i would say it this way you know knowing what we know we may not be I, and this is what i say to them you know i may not be smarter than you but i'm definitely wiser than you because i've been around longer and so, you know, the goal is I'm here to maybe give you a couple of shortcuts so you can go from point A to point B, you know, in a shorter manner. If you don't want to take it and you want to take a longer route, you know, I just need to tell myself I'm going to be there to catch her when she falls. Right. And, right. Right. And let them know that you will be a yeah. resource for them regardless yeah. of what yeah. happens. Right. If, if they must take it the yeah. long way, then yeah. we're here to support them yeah. when they're struggling. And then the other thing is too, like when you talk about trust, it's, I think it's also really important for us as parents to think about what is it going to take for them to trust you? Because we actually need to trust them by default and to give them the ability to make mistakes and even do things that will jeopardize our trust, but in to embrace it, to use that as a opportunity to bring closeness. That means we got to be, you know, we got to be able to take it and even when it hurts, right? The key is making sure that they will trust you. To, that, to come to you at the right time, at those critical moments. So many horrible 100%. things happen to these teenagers because they just feel like they can't talk to their parents. And it's, yeah. it's so sad. Like when you, when you hear about those kind of stories. Yeah. It's about building all of that up to that point that they, they can talk to you. They can come to you. And I'm always telling them, I'm like, don't worry. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not, you know, I, I'm on your side forever yeah. and I'm a cool mom. I say yeah. that with quotes because I try to be, you know, I just, I just want yeah. them to know that we'll always be there to support, yeah. right? That's what it's about, right? Regardless of what they do, it does not matter. Right. We're there to support them and help them through it. So, so then the question is, well, then what happens if I make a mistake? You still take this away from me. You punish me. When I make a mistake, how can I trust you, right? If I do something wrong, what do you do? You take stuff away. You take screen away. You take screen time away. Oh, it's good for me. But you know what? This means I can't let you find out about all the wrong things that I want to do. <laughs> because you'll just punish me. Yeah. So in these moments, it's hard. <laughs> and, and I think yeah. it's about communication, right? Like in these moments, yeah. it's like, okay. Why am I taking it away from you? Let's talk about that. You know, what? Let's, yeah. What is the reasoning behind all of that? Because I'm not going to just do it for my own benefit. Because guess what? When I take that away from you, I got to spend more time with you. <laughs> I got to do, you know, do more things, <laughs> think of other things for you to do. But it's like, yeah. why are we doing yeah. that? And so having those, those conversations, which I feel like you're having a bunch of with, with your kids, and I'm hearing you, and I'm like, oh, I love that you're watching those documentaries with them, helping them understand the reasoning behind yeah. a lot of those things, because yeah. there's going to be moments where they're like, oh, mom's doing this because of that. I remember that. Yeah, ex exactly. That's exactly. So it's not out of my mouth. Uh, it's because what we are learning together and understanding the context. So as an 11 year old, you know, I had her watch the social dilemma. I mean, it wasn't really directly on, you know, the impact to a teenager, but it was really about the design of social media and, you know, Facebook. Well, mom, I don't use Facebook. I'm like, I know this was, this movie was made a while back and I know you don't use Facebook, but now at least you understand the concept. This is the origin of how these, the monetization, you know, how do they monetize 
this service and all the levers that they're using to serve up the content to you. And why, once you're interested in something, this is why is polarization happening? That, you know, what you're seeing and what somebody else is seeing is really different. So she's having to learn about all these interesting concepts, actually, that aren't necessarily relevant to her. And and we're having these conversations. I said, so just, you know, for your perspective, like, you're searching up on, you know, they think, oh, just because you know how to Google, like, you know, everything. No, you know, a lot of people think they know a lot of things. <laughs> so so it's it's stuff like that, like a lot of different topics that I'm hoping she, you know, and, and so therefore, um, know, knowing this, right, and knowing the addictive side of these things, you know, why do you think we want to reduce the usage time to two hours a day? Why are we trying to shut this down? You know, why am I allowing... 15 minutes of TikTok for you. I am letting her use TikTok, but I've set her up as a as a kid, so there's content filters and also so she gets a lot of art. She does a lot of art stuff, animation stuff, so she she can see some great ideas. She's like, oh, "You know, mom, I get this from TikTok, but you know what? You can only use it for 15 minutes. That's enough. If you want inspiration, 15 minutes will give you enough inspiration for you to start acting on that inspiration." rather than sitting there and consumed and be entertained that you become dulled to do anything else in life. So, and, and, you know, now when I say, you know, don't be a consumer, be a producer, she understands what I'm referring to. So I know this is something that we're still all working on and I know I take it day by day, but I'm curious, what do you do that works for you to achieve work-life balance? Yeah, I don't know if I'm doing a good job, to be honest with you, on the work-life balance piece. I will say that, first of all, I am grateful for GitHub because I think the company culture does support uh, work-life balance and people with, you know, families and, and, and needs. So with that as a context, I want to say I have better work-life balance now than, than I ever have, which to be honest, I, because of where I am in my life and, and how long I think I've been around, I think I'm able to really be, you know, I'm able to really acknowledge that and appreciate that. And in return, I am very dedicated to my work. I am very accountable to the problems I need to solve. And so you know, and I hope more people um, can recognize that a lot of the people that kind of grew up in this kind of work environment may not really see it. But in order to for me to to reach balance, I I really do have to implement the time boxing things, time boxing my day. So I think it came out of one of the classes that I took, you know, like you have 24 hours a day and you spend eight hours of your time sleeping. It's really like looking at this piece of pie and carving out the different slices and putting a time box around it. Right. So I'm physically unfit. I need to get fit. I need to carve out time. It's that simple. And if I'm constantly reacting to my work and if I continue to work the way that I'm, you know, that these applications are designed for you to, to, to work, um, I, I won't be able to achieve balance. So I just, I have to really think about what my slices look like and what's working for me and sticking to that and being aware of when it's out of whack. And so that's, I think what I, that's my tool for keeping that balance right now. And I think the biggest thing that I'm focused on for my mental happiness is have I achieved the goals that I have set out as a mom? I mean, that is really, really what is the most important to me, right? Because the the mother's guilt just impacts the rest of you. So if I can say, hey, you know, there's a win. I spent a good 40 minutes playing this stupid Uno game with the family, like we all had a fun and shared a little bit of a laugh. And guess what? My 12 year old actually shared something interesting at school with me and told me in a very exciting way, what happened, like, boom, there goes my win. And I'm happy. You know, if she chose to tell me something that happened, or if I was able to, you know, 
have my six-year-old come over and, and, you know, and play a chess game. She likes chess game uninterrupted. Yeah. So, so that I think, you know, making sure that I carve out the pie for that so I can go to bed feeling good about myself, <laughs> then that's a good day. Yeah. That, that's a huge um, tip, you know, for other parents as well, kind of time boxing everything so that you have time to do the things that are a priority to you that make you feel good spending time with family and things like yeah. that. And the mental capacity. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of leads me to, to asking about, you know, what, what are some things that help you relax or unwind after a long day, a long week? I think the one thing I could, you know, think about is really my bath time, maybe. You know, I take a bath, a long bath after the kids go to sleep, maybe two, three times a week. That's really my unwinding time. Um, I used to drink a glass of wine and that doesn't help me sleep well. So I don't do that any well anymore. I wished I could say, you know, I run or I do some yoga, you know, but no, that's, that's a work in progress. That's one that requires work. <laughs> is my physical exercise. I got to I got to work on that. So, yeah, bath right now. I think it's my relaxation and 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 time for unwind. That's nice. And it's really what helps you, right? Maybe for some people yeah. they run. I'm not one of those people either. Like I I can't just go for a run. But for some people, you know, they'll run a few miles a day or something and that relaxes them and I think that's amazing. But for me, I'm more like you, where I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm lying there and not doing anything. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's my a massage. Yeah, yeah, a a massage. massage or... But that's becoming more expensive, too. So, I, uh, you know, I wish I could get them more often. Yeah. And you have to be more intentional yeah. about that. Exactly. Right? You have to leave the house and have more time to do that. But what you can do on your own at home is like a nice relaxing bath. Yo, you know what? I just remembered something that I did for a while, but I stopped doing it. And it's something that did relax me and help me unwind. Um, It's actually setting intentions. I, I think I was listening to a podcast somewhere and it talked about like, you know how you wake up, the first thing you do is you check your phone. And then it's like, that starts the day, you know, it's like your alarm clock and then you check your phone and it's like, what's the schedule? you know, I I can't remember the source of this, but basically don't do that. And um, so try to, before you go to sleep, spend like five, 10 minutes breathing, this, this breathing thing, one, two, three, four, hold your breath for, and then like breathe out or something like that. There was this whole method and then like setting intentions. I did practice it for a while and it was really good. It was really helpful. It helped me unwind. And then it helped me wake up in a very relaxing composed way so you're just not waking up to rush and react again and setting intentions about what you want to accomplish that day like no more than two three things doing that before bed and waking it was it was good for a while and then and and then I stopped I don't know why I stopped but I should pick that up again (laughs) that actually is a good thing to do so before bed is it kind of to see if you've completed your intentions for that day or to think about the next day Yes, yes, it is. So you go through the breathing exercise, and then you reflect on the day. And yeah, and if you can relate that to intention, but it's, you know, the most basic thing is just to reflect on the day and account for what's good, the having a positive sort of way to wrap up the day. It's like small exercise. I, oh, I think one of the, uh, what they said was, I mean, you can, I suppose it makes sense to relate that to whether you have accomplished what you intended, but it wasn't about achieving. It was really about a mental state of gratitude and calm. I, I love that because it doesn't sound like it takes very much time, yeah. but it's also something that can really have great gains yeah. for you. Yeah. That's really neat. I'm going to look that up and, and try that. <laughs> when I find, <laughs> and then I'll update yeah, you on how yeah, it goes. And I'll, I'll, I'll email you when I, when I, when I, re- I have to go back and look up what the term it was or where I found that, that resource or that, that tip. <laughs> yeah. If you see that, let me know and I'll add it in the show notes so that people can, can try it out okay. as well. Um, so 
I know we're we're running out of time, so I wanted to to ask a final question of what's something that you wish you knew before you became a parent or something you would tell other folks in tech that are going to be parents. My father passed away when I was four years old in another woman's bed. My mother took, uh, so I'm the youngest of four. My siblings are 14, 12, 11 years older than me. We were in Taiwan at the time, and one of his business partners had my mom sign some papers, and she lost everything, like the company, whatever. You know, my my father did pretty well, and we lost everything when he died. And so in the early 80s is when we sold a lot of our properties in Taiwan and came to America, and she couldn't speak a word of English. And so she, she definitely um, experienced, you know, trauma, right, and you know, um, we came here and made a life for ourselves. So I was kind of a parentified child. So pre- prior to that, my mom was like a gambling, mahjong playing kind of a mom. Didn't We were all brought up by nannies. So in any case, um, because, because of this, I was the closest to her. My siblings were already older and I was always next to her. And so there was a lot of, you know, men are no good and you know, don't have kids. Um, work, work, work. And and that kind of became the construct of who I became. When you ask me the question, like, what do I wish I knew? What do I know now that I wish I knew? I think a lot of the brainwashing led me to have a very, very specific, you know, anti-children view. Like, also, I wish I knew how children can teach us the beautiful side of life, you know, the depth of love that a person can feel for another, right? That was the biggest thing that hit me. And when I, when I was holding my baby in my arms, when she was first born, I, I cried, you know, I think every night because of this overwhelming feeling for at least three, four months. So they thought it was PTSD, but it was actually like not PTSD is like, you don't want to be near your baby. Like I couldn't let my baby go. And I couldn't talk to my mom for two years. For two years, I was angry with her. I hated her. I blamed her for making me who I have become. I had a lot of very unhealthy relationships with men. Because it's like, if you can't take care of me, if you can't take care of my mom, I put her on a pedestal. And when I became a mom, so I am an, I am overcompensating. I'm a great mom because I'm overcompensating for everything that I lacked. Um, I went to five different high schools. I came here living with different relatives. I went to a different school every year, basically, until I went off to college. I never celebrated my birthday. I've never had Christmas in my life. Anyway, so, and and I met a husband, I met a man who grew up in a really wonderful family, you know, with great mom and great dad and great stories to tell growing up as a kid, lots of stories and um, as a family. And so, I, you know, to anybody who who's cynical, I guess, about like, oh, children is hard work and they're such a pain in the ass and they are, but like, I feel like for me at least, it's made me whole. It's made me full. It's brought light to my life. It's it's become like the greatest purpose to me. And it's made me a better person. I wish I knew that. And I wish I had kids when I was earlier. I would have probably had like four or five. <laughs> that's that's so beautiful, you know, because it's it's that experience that when you have kids that no one can tell you about, right? People may tell you their experiences. They might tell you this is what it might be, but to actually hold that baby in your arms, right? That first time they bring you the baby and it's still like kind of icky, yeah. you know, because it just came out. But it's like, wow, this is that 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 feeling is just irreplaceable. Yeah. I don't even yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just Yeah, and even as they grow older, you're just I, I don't know. I just see them and I'm like, wow, this is who they've become. Yeah. And they're still growing. And and I've been a part of this journey with this little life, yeah. right? And and to see that happen is just, yeah. 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 And unconditional love, right? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I'm a hot mess and my kids are still loving me, still wanting to spend time with me. And I'm, you know, in my head, I'm like, really? You want to spend time with me right now? Yeah. I mean, look at me. And, and they, they don't care, yeah. you know, they just want to be around you. It doesn't even matter what you're doing. They just want to be surrounded by you, your husband, your presence, all of yeah. that. Totally. Thank you for for sharing that, you know, because that's huge. And I think a lot of people as they're working in their career, as their career is blossoming, they're like, maybe it's not the time, maybe I shouldn't. But I think this is a really, really good thing to tell them that like, no, this is a whole different experience. Yep. But you know, it's hard. Like you try to tell someone that and you don't know how they're going to take it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and it's one of those things that like, you know, if they're ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll hear it or like they'll hear it now. And sometime in the future, they'll be like, (laughs) oh, now I know what they're talking about. Now I'm ready for it. Right. So I just wanted to say thank you for being so open today and for sharing all your experiences and everything. I mean, I know I learned a lot and I think a lot of the the listeners probably will be taking a lot of notes and I'll definitely write a lot of the notes in the show notes so so they can refer back to it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. So this is such a, I love this topic. So, you know, I learned a lot from you today too. (laughs) Thank you. And, and definitely, you know, I want to hear updates on how things go and, and hopefully if my podcast is still around, for, you know, later on, I'd love to have you back and hear updates. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have a lot of stories to share when our kids are in high school. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> and beyond, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> totally. All right. Well, thank you so All much. Right. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Parenthood Bites. We hope you found our episode informative and entertaining. If you're a parent in the tech world or know someone who is, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at chow at parenthoodbites.co and we'll be thrilled to add your experiences to our interviews. That's chow, C-H-I-A-O at parenthoodbites, B-Y-T-E-S dot co, C-O. And to our potential sponsors out there, if you're a business or know of one that would like to support and partner with our podcast, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can also reach us at chow at parenthoodbites.co. Thank you once again for tuning in, and we wish you a fantastic rest of your week. Until next time, take care and stay curious.